Here we are again, another episode of our Squiggly Encounters 2019 podcast minisodes. I'm Ben Mitchell, Squiggly Editor-in-Chief and host of the Encounters Animation Filmmaker Q&As that we've been putting out in this series. In this episode, we're talking to the attending filmmakers who participated in the competition screening Animation 4 Get Real. These include Floor Adams, who was also our guest on the most recent episode of Intimate Animation. If you haven't yet caught that one, do have a dig into our podcast section of the site and give it a listen as she's a delight, as is her film Mind, 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 which ended up receiving a special mention on awards night on top of several awards it's already won. The film is a sweet-natured portrayal of a young man with autism navigating the turbulent waters of a new relationship. Also on the panel is Mark Lopez, director of the captivating and graphical Segregated by Design, an examination of the forgotten history of how the U.S. government unconstitutionally segregated every major metropolitan area. We also hear from Joanne Salmon, whose film Chin Up is an autobiographical documentary about self-acceptance, living with Treacher Collins syndrome and her personal path to animation. Joanne is joined by the film's production coordinator, Shannon Reeve. Alex Widowson will be discussing his Royal College of Art animated documentary film Music and Clowns, a portrait of his brother Jamie, who was born with Down syndrome. And Maria Teixeira tells us about her Conrad Wolf student documentary and graduation film Inside Me, in which a young woman recounts her experience with abortion. Finally, we'll be hearing from Jonathan Hodgson, whose quasi-autobiographical film Roughhouse tells the story of three friends whose loyalties and priorities are shaken when they move into a house share for university. The film picked up the Best of British Award in the animation category following its BAFTA win earlier this year. So another great bunch of films I was very happy to hear more about the makings of, and I hope you feel the same way. Let's hand it over to the filmmakers. I'm Jonathan Hodgson, and I made the film Roughhouse... uh and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm an animation director, but I also uh, work at Middlesex University running the animation course there. Hi, uh, I'm Maria Teixeira, and I made the last film called Inside Me. I was uh, directing and animating. Hi, I'm Alex Widdison. Oh, yeah, I keep on forgetting this isn't a mic for the room. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I- I'm Alex Widdison. I uh, directed the film about my brother who has Down syndrome, um, and I'm just started a PhD doing uh, research into autism. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Joanne. I was director and animator for the film Chin Up. I'm an animator at Love Love Films, working here with. <laughs> <laughs> hi, um, my name's Shannon. I work with Joanne. I was the coordinator on the film Chin Up, um, and we work for an animation company down in Bournemouth called Love Love Films. Um, yeah. I'm Mark Lopez, and I directed and animated um, Segregated by Design. I'm Hello, I'm uh, Floor Adams. I'm the director and writer and co-producer of My My Mind. Yeah, okay, uh, if we start with Floor. Floor uh, recently featured on the website, and we had a fairly extensive interview about her film, so we'll be maybe retreading a little bit of some of what we talked about, but uh, it would be good to sort of share a bit about how the film came about and I suppose starting with your background which was kind of essential I suppose in getting the story together you worked in sort of psychology and I think the main the main idea came from working with people with autism so I was an animation student uh, uh, animation 
teacher for people with autism. And um, <laughs> I have... I've been in a very short relationship with someone with Asperger's syndrome as well, so that's also uh, the background story. Yeah. So as a teacher, and and um, well, there were there was one student who told me about uh, his fascination for um, the Japanese subway system, and um, that I found it very interesting because he was to talking about it like he saw it in his head, and. Um, well, he was really um, into this. He knew all the stations, how many suicide attempts there were per day or per year, I don't know. Um, and um, how many people were traveling by train. And, and, and he wasn't, well, it was like a mystery to me. Like, you know all these facts and figures about something, but you're not, you're not capable uh, to go, to get somewhere on time, to keep your focus, to, um, Make make plans for your day and 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 stick to it. And how does it work? So that's what I wanted to try to figure out. And then I spoke to many people with autism and many scientists, and um, I read a lot of books. So I became some sort of autism expert, but I didn't know how to make a film. So that was phase two. <laughs> you want me to tell? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, well, I worked in psychiatry before that. Yeah, that's right. And I work with mentally disabled as well. With that in mind, then, when it came to developing this as a story, just sort of rewatching this today, and I was sort of struck by how well the love interest uh, for Chris having the particular job that she has is kind of a gateway to them having a bit of a connection. And I guess I'd, I'd be interested in sort of how you sort of developed that character and why she worked with chameleons. It's kind of hard because I worked on this film for many years. Like it's, it's, it's been a production, the production lasts for over six years, seven years. And the first idea came to my mind uh, 10 years ago. So these questions tend to be very, um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, hard for me because I sometimes I don't really know this anymore. Um, so it's um, I think it's it's I think well I'm really into chameleons myself at this n now, but it grew over the years. But I'm not sure if the first idea came because I was like because I like chameleons. Um, also stukas, I like stukas now also, by the way. Um, made me cry when I saw the first one. <laughs> for real, the real stuka plane in a, well, okay, that's a different story. She needed to, she, she I, want, I wanted her to be clever in a way and also like a, a social type because it takes some, I think not everybody is open to people who think differently. Do, do, do I say this correctly? Like, you know, you, I act odd in a way as well at this moment, but I'm not, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I'm like sleepy and, but you know, the, you, you, you have a lot of people with autism are making, are, are being made fun at, are, are made fun, yeah. So I thought it needed to be someone who's uh, very social and clever and uh, in an interesting hobby, um, which is fun to draw, um, something with colors to compensate his camouflage interest. And, and all of a sudden I came to chameleons because they are, uh, I thought they were coloring because of the camouflaging thing, but they are coloring to uh, express their feelings or like I'm angry or sad or I just want to have sex. So I thought it was really 
clever to combine. Oh, clever to say, <laughs> clever to combine these things. Yeah, and to make some opposite story. In it. Yeah. Earlier today, we had Lauren, who had a film in the third screening, who was also a recent guest, and I remembered I hadn't really talked much about the design in her film. And as I was asking her, I was like, I didn't actually bring that up with Floor either. Um, you were so, only talking about the whole therapist thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it was nice as well. But, yeah. um, I would be interested in like, the sort of visual side of things, where the character design sort of came from. Did you work with people or were they your ideas? No, they were my ideas. I, I, um, my first um, uh, designs were... Well, I made some small animations before this. This is the first long one and also like very long one. Um, so I made some, nor I used to draw with heavy, more heavy lines in, using TV paints and uh, more like ink lines. And um, when I made the character designs for this film, um, well, when I applied for funding at the Dutch Film Fund, uh, they said, well, you're applying for a film or you want to make a film of 15 minutes, which was my first idea, 15 minutes. Uh, so it needs, it's need, it needs something interesting to keep the focus apart from your story. So um, maybe, you, maybe you should do something about character designs. Um, so that's, that's what I did. And, and, and I, I like to draw with pencil. And, and in the end, one of the animators created a pencil brush for me in TV paint, uh, which we used. And um, I don't know, I think it's, I like Hans inside the head. I know he looks like a penis shape. He's, he's called Hans from Hans Asperger, but nobody knows because it's, he's got no name, but the animators know it. So we call him Hans and Hans looks like a penis, but it's like, f some, it's an accident. <laughs> or it has something to do with my brain, I'm not sure. But it's like, it's an accident because I just tend to draw figures like that and so that's really like a familiar fig figure for me or shape but shape, oh, that sounds good <laughs> it's a familiar shape sorry but Gwen and 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 uh, Chris I wanted him I wanted him to look like squarey because he's really fixated on things and really uh, and her to be more fluid and more colorful in a way Something else we discussed was that the film has been uh, used as a kind of educational tool in mm -hmm. certain uh, institutions. And that was something that sort of kept crossing my mind a lot tonight, watching all of these films. Many of them would have a very valuable educational application, which uh, I guess we could sort of go into yours a bit, Mark. Because as, you know, as the description says, it's a forgotten history. And... It really shouldn't be, and I think there's some value in, you know, exploring the things that you discuss in this. Am I right in thinking this was based on a book or...? Yes. Okay. Um, it was a book called uh, The Color of Law, and I heard the author speak on our public radio in, in the States, and I was like, this would make a good animation, <laughs> just hearing him talk. And I emailed him the next day, and he emailed me back, which was surprising because no one emails anyone back. And uh, he was like, yeah, sure, you can make something out of it. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I like dropped everything and started it. Um, and uh, yeah, because my favorite subject in high school was um, AP US history. And I did not learn any of this stuff that was in the film. And, um, and it's pretty big deal, like why <laughs> our communities are the way they are. Um, and so I felt like I needed to um, have a 
way for kids growing up now to learn the history. Um, and I felt like the, what I'm good at kind of is lends, lends to uh, the younger crowd. Um, and so I've gotten really good, like you're saying, it's, it, it is good for uh, teachers now to be able to use. I've gotten a lot of feedback from teachers and professors across the country that are using it in their, um, in their curriculum now, which is awesome. Uh, and what, which was why I made it, so that people would know the history. I mean, one of the, the big discouragements of being part of this human race is whenever hard truths are sort of presented, there's always a kind of group that are sort of resistant to it. Uh, they don't want to hear it, and, or they will assume it's you know, some kind of propaganda. I mean, have you encountered anything like that? Only marginally. Um, I intentionally made it so that people from both sides of the aisle could watch it and get something out of it. Um, I tried very hard not to get political in it and make it more about history and not about, well, if you didn't know this, well, now you have to repent and, like, change your entire view of life. You know, like, it wasn't about that necessarily. as more of just, like, this is our history, and, like, we can do something about it. And it's not about being right or wrong. It's just about this is, this is what happened, <laughs> you know? And because I do have, I, my views are very different from even like my, my father-in-law's views. And so I want him to be able to watch it and enjoy it and get something out of it too, you know? As you were making it, did you have a sort of continuing dialogue with the original author of the book? Yeah, uh, he actually was very thankful, and uh, he, so I, I, I went out to Berkeley to record him, and he narrated it, and he actually emailed me the other day saying that um, in the next reprint for the paperback version, he's going to include a little blurb about the animation, um, which was cool, uh, but... Um, yeah, he's, he was like, he's like 75, so he, he was like, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, I trust you, I guess. <laughs> um, he, he thought I was going to make like uh, Bugs Bunny jump off a cliff, like, and yeah, he did not know what I was, what I was doing, so he kind of put faith in me and, and um, let me use his material, um, yeah. Well, he, his communications director, he works for the Economic Policy Institute, and his communications, he forwarded my email to his communications director, and she was like, he actually does good work. Like, you can trust him. <laughs> and so he was like, okay. Um, so he actually, like, puts all the credit to her <laughs> to that, I, that this got made. Um, and so, yeah, even when I was, like, uh, recording him do the script, he was like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so. To the point then, I guess, like, visually, it's got this very contemporary, like, MoGraph quality to it. Is that your sort of main area as an artist? Yeah, um, I definitely stay within the 2D realm. Uh, I, I love collage and, um, uh, yeah, it, that's kind of my, I wish more of my work could go in that realm um but when it's my personal work i'm like yeah i'm gonna especially when it's based in history i want to use actual photographs that 
you know, when it's talking about um, Levittown and the violence that happened there, those are real photographs of like stuff that happened in Pennsylvania. Like that's the people that it happened to, and like, I, and to 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 use that in the art is, I felt key because it needs to be based in fact. Um, it needs to be based in reality. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, since so Joanne and terribly sorry for Shannon. Shannon. So you work together, I guess, at the same studio? Was this the beginning of your kind of working relationship, this project, or is it something that kind of came up having worked together for a while? Uh, I've been working at the studio for a little while uh, beforehand, so they got to know me. Yeah, we've, we've worked together for like a good maybe two years, yeah, I think, yeah. before that. We, um, yeah, we work at the same production studio, so this was something... Um, I mean, obviously, Joanne's story is inspiring, and she's full of these amazing, funny anecdotes. So it was kind of, we saw um, uh, an ad for the fund, really, and we kind of thought it would be an amazing project. So we pitched it uh, and won, amazingly. Is this Mo film? Yeah, yeah. So it was one of three films commissioned globally. What kind of things were they looking for in particular? So the fund was actually for um, the year of the woman. Um, So they were looking for stories just about being a woman globally. So I think another one was about um, this amazing tribeswoman. And there was, I I can't remember the thing for the other one, but Joanne's was about how her story intersected as a woman and her experiences as a woman, as well as her own very much personal experiences. Uh, Yeah, it was also touching on it growing up with a disability as well and just pursuing your dreams uh, whatever they are despite any obstacles you might have and yeah so. so clearly a very sort of personal story very kind of autobiographical I did note it had a screenwriter so what was that kind of working relationship like was he kind of interpreting things that you had told him or? Uh, yeah no it was great because I mean I've lived my whole life and so I have lots of little stories so he really helped to pick out like what would actually tell the story in the short time that we had because I, I had loads of like stories like oh this one time I ran into a moose on my way to work and he's like no I don't think that will fit in really <laughs> to the story I think you stick into these so, uh, so yeah he was really helpful and the whole team was very helpful as well because I mean you walk around doing your thing and nobody really, and then somebody points out that I think, oh, that, I think that could be a really good animation and a good story. And, uh, so, so yeah, that's what the script writer was really good with, is just condensing the story. Broadly speaking, I suppose this category tonight was kind of non-fiction, although a lot of the films sort of blur the line a bit. Like I would say, probably my, my mind is more fiction than not, even though it's predicated on you know real life and real people. This obviously is autobiographical. Are you interested in also sort of pursuing like fiction films down the line or storytelling? Oh yeah, yeah. I I want to do everything in animation now that I'm an animator. I love telling stories, and that's that's what's always drawn me to animation and and uh, art is just that you can kind of do anything. There's no limit within it, and you can have so many adventures in it. Uh, through animation, and that's what drew me as a kid as well. Like, um, yeah, as I say, like labor relief in the in the film is growing up with a disability. It was a great escape for me to, to go into drawing and animation. So yeah, that's yes, <laughs> definitely going to fiction. <laughs> what generally speaking, what kind of work does the studio do? Is it uh, sort of commercial stuff or series stuff? 
So we do quite a mix of stuff. So we do um, done commercial stuff, like we just wrapped on a project for Tresemme, which is like entirely live action. Um, but we also do, we've done animations for like The Big Issue. Um, we did one for a, a Utah-based charity called We Save Land. Um, we've also got some kids shows in development, um, including one that's being distributed by Aardman. So all sorts, really. Okay, so cool. I guess another sort of theme throughout the film is the sort of societal demands, I suppose, that are placed on women in general and how it's a kind of... Um, a rigged game, I suppose. And what I noticed was interesting about your story is that you came into pursuing animation perhaps later on in life than like straight out of school. And that's a subject that comes up quite a bit about like education in the UK and gender parity within the workforce and within education. And I'm just sort of curious from your perspectives, were you ever sort of actively dissuaded from pursuing the creative arts? at a certain point in your life or did it just not come up until you read that article? I think, uh, I don't remember anybody telling me not to go for it or I mean I guess people are always saying oh it's a bit difficult going into arts but I would say it was more my own insecurities that was kind of stopping me like my own experiences through life that was just kind of holding me back it was more my internal uh, barriers uh, but yeah, then I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I read that article and I, I just felt like, you know what, I, I've got nothing to lose, so I might as well just go for it. And uh, yeah, I, I hope that also comes through in the film. Like, it's never really too late to just kind of go for your dreams, even if, I mean, I started when I was 27, you know, amongst all these other 20 year olds. And, but you know, it, it's just never too late, you know, to, to go for it. So yeah. That's very good to you. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, excellent. So, Alex. This was an RCA film? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, we were the first graduating year group from the documentary course they set up in animation. So it's all um, animators, uh, most of us with a sort of specific interest in documentary, but it was pretty fluid as well. There were people from other parts of the course who ended up making documentaries and vice versa. Did you go into the course with the idea perhaps of doing a film about your family in mind? Um, no, I, I actually thought it would be cheating because it, <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed too easy uh, and I thought, uh, I didn't really think about it until my sort of the first week of, well the last week of the first year when we had a meeting about what we were going to do um, and I just couldn't believe how interesting everybody, how interested everybody seemed in it when I just started, mentioned my brother they were like, oh, well, there's, there's a topic. And I'm like, well, I, it's just my brother. You know? but, but to everybody else, um, it was this new territory. And, and, I, and I, I just, I, I couldn't imagine um, in advance what the advantage you'd get from 30 years research for a film. It, it just gen genuinely makes it very easy in, in comparison, yeah. Um, so a big takeaway from it is that your brother is quite non-verbal and you talk about the mystery of what sort of goes on with him. Do you get a sense of how he feels about the film? Yeah, I mean, he, he's not totally non-verbal yet. He, he sort of has key phrases and often, uh, I, I, you know, you, you get good at reading him in the way that we sort of read all each other all the time. Um, uh, he definitely... Uh, it's full of his favourite stuff, so 
he likes music, he likes clowns, he likes seeing himself and the family and I think it's all, I think it felt quite familiar to him. He seemed to respond, I think on first viewing it all was a bit too fast paced. Um, but the only reason I say that is because he'd, he'd see a ABBA or whatever and he'd try and respond and then like the scene had moved on. So I mean, my guess is he likes it. And he had a lot of fun going to the opening exhibition. The visual look of the film, was that something that you kind of worked on for a while or was it sort of in your head when you started? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I was, there's like several strands of sort of visual track where like I shift between different styles and, and there's going to be this sort of baseline style of like relatively representational um, sort of respectful character design, quite faithful to, to what you might see with your eyes. Um, and then uh, shifting off into other more textual stuff or, or um, you know, using his drawings as a reference point uh, for scenes that were meant to represent his perspective, maybe. And I, I, all of those things were, you know, were, were thought out uh, quite carefully and, and hopefully they don't stand out too much as a sort of gimmick or, a, or a, you know, during the film, I hope it's a bit more... Um, seamless but it, yeah it was very much about sort of this montage style um, with this sort of constant uh, going back to this sort of quite flat digital representational style as a sort of to represent my perspective as like me the, the sort of sensible examining documentary maker and which is also a bit of a performance as well. Mm. I, I would say that it is quite consistent for the most part I think the only bit that sort of stood out and not in a bad way was the sort of shift to the kind of uh, colored pencil line drawing. Yeah. But that was very appealingly animated. Like there was, you know, I, I thought that was a really nice kind of flourish, I suppose, to it. But yeah, generally speaking, it, it holds together. Yeah, or well, maybe it's too seamless. I could have just done with a bit more <laughs> contrast. Going back to the earlier point, do you think that there might be some sort of value in a, an educational application for a film like this? Yeah, I mean, so there's there's a complicated background to this film in that there's new prenatal testing for Down syndrome that's pretty much 100% accurate. And uh, when it was first introduced um, in Iceland, uh, the abortion rate went to 100%. Um, so there's this, I mean, that's... I don't really have a very strong stance on pro-life and pro-choice and abortion debate um, myself, but um, there was other people who really did, and they were making maybe more polemic documentaries about this. Um, and in defence, uh, scientific scientific community were saying all we're doing is providing information, and that helps people make better decisions. Um, so I thought I'd do something similar and just provide information about what life might be like to have a child with Down syndrome, uh, so more from a sort of humanist perspective. So I don't really want to, I, I genuinely don't know, you know what I would do in that situation, um, but I just thought it would be useful, you know, for, but yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, so Maria, was this a student film? Uh, yes. Cool. Uh, uh, where was it that you studied again? Uh, in Babelsberg in uh, Germany, uh, sorry, it's called Film University Babelsberg Konrad Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be sort of interested in kind of how the course was structured and 
Was this sort of film a kind of final thesis film? And I guess also what sort of involvement they had in it, if any? Uh, yeah, this was my like final film and like the only really finished project, I could say. Um, I worked on it for like two years. The, the last year was really more intense. The first year was, I was also doing other stuff at the same time. And um, I had like a supervisor that I could go and talk to whenever I was a bit stuck. And are these types of films that are non-fiction, sort of biographical testimonial films, are they kind of common uh, as far as the university's output or do they also do kind of more fictional? They, like they do, yeah, no, mostly they, most of the work there is fiction, yeah. Okay. I always had a bit of interest in uh, animated documentary and I thought it could also be helpful to like to not have to write a script, to like go and look for a story that is there, but then I realized it also brings its own challenges, <laughs> like especially what you were saying, like condensating the, the, the story was the, one of the hardest parts because I had this, I, I had this interview, was one hour long, and in the end the final film is just five minutes, so I really had to find the story I wanted to, to tell from all this material. What was the relationship with the interviewee? Was it someone that you knew or had you kind of canvassed for people with these types of stories? Uh, I, I looked for people. Um, it was quite easy to find, actually. I, I just looked online on, on Facebook. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then I interviewed uh, five different women. Uh, at first, my idea was to mix different stories um, but then I realized the film would be either too long or I would just talk a little bit about each one. And because I wanted to go deeper in, in the personal story, I, I ended up choosing one of them. I, I, I thought maybe I would do more interviews, but I realized, okay, I have this story. I, I like the, the way she talks and the details. So, yeah, I, we just met like straight to, to, do, to record this interview, to have this talk. Um, yeah, this was like a very intense uh, moment. <laughs> like it was very beautiful that you just meet someone and you just talk about s something very personal. And then we were not in touch anymore until almost two years later when uh, I finished the film and I, I showed it to her recently. And I was quite anxious to, to see like, if she, she thought I, I was kind of true in a way to her story because I cut so much of what she had said. And, um, but yeah, she was, she was happy with the, with the result. And, I'm happy as well. So, yeah, the uh, the real sort of um, I suppose art of animated documentary when it's dealing with this kind of sort of source audio, uh, as with your film and your film as well, how you then create a story from a series of visuals and have it, I guess, in this case, in a quite abstract way, sort of represent what's being said. Did you have any kind of specific artistic process for? interpreting um, the edited audio? 
or did visuals just kind of come into your mind as you were listening through it? Or? Yeah, it was a mix. Uh, I found it sometimes quite hard when you were just listening and trying to draw because you get a bit stuck. So there was a moment I just tried to forget the, the whole text so I could like kind of draw freely again and I would kind of jump between then going back to the text and seeing uh, and sometimes then some images I, I had made for one part ended up somewhere else or yeah some ideas came while animating as well I, I had a storyboard but very rough and some parts were left out I wasn't sure and I wanted to have some freedom while drawing so that's also why the style is so simple because I yeah I, I was really kind of developing it while, while doing it and sometimes I would animate some parts and then just throw it out and then carry on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it works really well, it's a really nice end result. So congratulations and thanks very much. Cool, so Jonathan, I guess just to sort of start with going back to the, the point I made earlier about the lines between fiction and non-fiction, is this I guess a semi-fictionalized story? Yeah, I mean I I've been developing this film for a very long time and when I first started it was a documentary. In the end I kind of just re reframed it as a as a kind of drama based on real events uh, because I, I kind of I didn't want it to be a documentary in the end uh, because somehow I, I wanted to put some distance between myself and the events. And I, I also wanted to change some of the events and some of the outcomes in the film, so it's, it became something different from the original conception. Are you still in touch with, I guess, who would have been the sort of equivalent people in the documentary version? One of the people I see very, very regularly, and the rest of the people, I, I don't even know if they're all alive. I know, I know one of them is from Facebook, and he actually helped with the film but I haven't seen him for about 30 years and the guy who is kind of the main the kind of pr main protagonist although I think it's a film about all of the characters but the guy who has the worst time in the film uh, I haven't spoken to him for 40 years I don't know if he knows about the film at all uh, he doesn't live in the UK um, and I haven't Everyone asks if I've spoken to him about it, but I haven't. I just decided, you know, it's kind of weird to kind of contact someone after four, well, 37 years and say, hey, I know we haven't spoken for such a long time, but I just made a film about you and it's about the worst time in your life. <laughs> uh, so I just thought, no, well, maybe he'll find out one day. This is, might be a bit of a big ask, but for sort of events like such as these, because I know you've worked in animation for quite a long time, is there a way to sort of summarize your kind of career up to this point and some of the work you've done? Well, I mean, I've done a lot of everything really, but I mean, I suppose the, th the thread that I've tried to keep going is ob observation of life. I mean, my early films were just pure observation, like animated sketchbooks and uh, everything. I mean, I'm not really a storyteller. Uh, I kind of, I pref I've always kind of felt more comfortable with factual 
fact, well, factual stories. So, I mean, things based on reality. So that's the thing that's, but I mean, I've done everything else as well. You know, I've done commercials and worked on TV series, but um, I'm not, luckily not doing that anymore. Uh, so yeah, um, I think it's, a, it's a, looking at life, you know, I'm, a, I'm inspired by life and I'm not particularly interested in fantasy subject matter. So this film, it's performed very well. Picked up a BAFTA, is it this most recent one gone by? Yeah. Was that something you remotely anticipated? Not really. I mean, I, I didn't think it's a, a crowd pleaser, really. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, the characters are quite unpleasant and I just didn't really sort of, I didn't think it would appeal to a lot of people. But I mean, people can relate to it, but it's not, can give you a particularly good feeling, the film, so. Yeah. I think it's something about it, and this may be me sort of projecting my own kind of take on it, but I think that when we see ourselves in very flawed idiosyncratic characters, that can kind of forge a bit of a connection. And especially if it's like a certain time in your life, that sort of folly of youth where you're not really being very considerate about how the people in your life are feeling and sort of putting yourself first and then you kind of look back and like, oh god. So I think that that element perhaps might have hit a bit of a nerve with people, like a positive nerve. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, we, I mean, I think most teenage boys are pretty brutal and, <laughs> and I think, I don't know how um, everyone responds to it, but a lot of a lot of people I've spoken to say that they've been through situations like that. Um, but some people have said it's just so awful, terrible people, you know. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some people can't relate to it at all. So this film was made with uh, Peppy 3D, who have produced some really really wonderful short films. Yeah. Um, how did that relationship? Um, well, because there's been no funding in the UK for a very long time, for decent funding, I eventually just decided to, I noticed that a lot of, at festivals there are a lot of films funded by the CNC, Centre National de Cinema in France, and so I just kind of thought I'll try and find a French producer, so I just did a bit of schmoozing at festivals and uh, found found this guy who was going to produce a film and then he went bankrupt but then he passed the, the, the project on to Papi Three, Papi Twade as they say and uh, they, yeah, they, they kind of wanted to do it I mean it's interesting Papi Twade they, they, it's actually like a, a sort of group of different studios that are kind of represented under one name but they've all got their own names and they all do their own work separately uh, so, with, so they've got one producer that they employ which is very different from the UK model it's usually the, the producer employs the, the directors but yeah it's, it's a good system hmm. so it worked well for the film it's great yeah really worked well yeah. cool excellent well thank you very much thank you uh, we've got a little bit of time left before we have to vacate. If anyone in the audience has any questions, 
or if you have any questions for each other. Yes. Um, I was quite interested in the story about the Down syndrome boy because I've worked in the learning disability field uh, for a long time and I have a daughter with learning disabilities and I would love more stuff you're saying about how he goes out and talks to people and introduces himself that's exactly what my daughter does um, and it's one of you know as a parent you've got to decide okay she's 43 now but she's still doing it you know and do you say anything or do you just let it happen and all that you know if you get stuff in like that into films it will be so marketable in the learning disability sector I think so I'm just saying <laughs> uh, I thought it was great and you should offer it to the foundation for people with learning disabilities and see if they're interested and there's um, uh, there's a big conference happens every year and I just think the parental point of view isn't always the one that you can get at there's loads of stuff organized for people who are running services but just looking at how it is to be a parent or part of the family it's great and it needs more of that imaginative approach I think yeah I mean I've, I've only got one brother uh, with a learning sorry, I, know, I, know, I, I guess I, I don't have I mean I did think about sort of uh, developing a series and I thought it be, might be might do well in sort of trying to find funding um, but yeah I've been, I've been swept up elsewhere to do uh, work on autism now so so yeah more practice more films but not about down syndrome maybe less of a family context though maybe but uh, yeah i'm a bit curious how how tricky it was to work with your own family like it's very personal everything um i've been making uh very very personal films for far too long and okay, so got got quite desensitized with my own <laughs> my, my own like awful films about i don't know stuff i can't be bothered to mention anymore but um uh, yeah no I, I i mean we're all quite frank in my family and it and it all comes quite easily to us i think and maybe that's you know i don't know i'm not going to connect that to disability no it's just a quirk of my family Okay, well, thank you very much, everyone, for coming. And thank you to all of you for sharing your insights. And uh, I guess I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great rest of the festival. Thank you very much to all the filmmakers for being involved and some suggested further browsing slash bookmarking for those of you who want to learn more. The website for Floor Adams' Mind My Mind is mindmymind.nl. Don't forget, if you didn't catch our latest episode of Intimate Animation, you can hear more from Floor about her work and the making of the film. That's episode two of season three. There's more info on Mark Lopez's film Segregated by Design at segregatedbydesign.com. In fact, you can watch the film in its entirety, so be sure to check that out. You can learn more about Joanne Salmon's Chit Up, as well as the other work of Love Love Films at lovelovefilms.com. Alex Widowson's work and process are documented at documentaryanimationdiscourse.com. And to keep you up to speed with Maria Teixeira's film Inside Me, there's a Facebook page for it at facebook.com slash inside me animation. 
Jonathan Hodgson's site is hodgsonfilms.tumblr.com. And if you check out our interview archive, you'll be able to read a more in-depth interview on Making Rough House, conducted by squiggly contributor Alex Dudok DeWitt, that we posted up back in January of this year. On that note, be sure to keep your eyes on squiggly.com for all our animation coverage, and follow us on Twitter, at squiggly, on Instagram, at squigglyanimation, and facebook.com slash squigglymagazine. Cover all the bases. You never know what these algorithms and their wily algorithmic ways will decide you can and can't see. So it's just common sense to follow us any way you can. Otherwise, they win. I'll be back soon with session five. It's going to be another cracker. So keep them peeled. Until then, happy animating.